Welcome to Beauty and the Ghee, the podcast about jujitsu and so much more. I'm Jen Eads, a blue belt, still making white belt mistakes. And I'm AJ Klingerman, a Brazilian jujitsu brown belt, obsessed with jujitsu. And guess what we're talking about today, friends? White belt mistakes. <laughs> Common white belt mistakes, I guess. And the blue belts that still make them. Yeah, because here's the thing. Now you're like this wise blue belt and you never make any white belt mistakes, right? Never. I mean, once I got that belt. It was like magic. Totally. I mean, I have no frustration anymore. Right. I never feel stuck. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like golden. Yeah. I'm basically ready for purple. I know. Instantly. (laughs) Instantly. (laughs) When are you getting that? Yeah. I'll decide that and let you know. Okay, thank you. Because that's how it. that works, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let me know. Okay, perfect. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> I like how this works. <laughs> so much easier at blue, right? Yeah. No expectations. No. I mean, the thing is, too, you know, we're, we're just kidding. So, you know, there aren't really expectations aside from the fact that you don't murder white belts. I mean, you yeah. know, like you can roll hard with them, but. When I give somebody a blue belt, I expect that I can trust you with the white belts. Yes. That's that's probably one of the biggest things. Like, if you have a blue belt, I know I can trust you. That I can do. That you can do. That I can do. Even Jennifer, like, who is self-admitted Matt Bully. That's the nice (laughs) way to put it. Um, (laughs) She used to be a jerk uh, in drilling you know, as a drilling partner, but she's gotten way better. Yeah. And that really helped. And that's why she can wear a blue belt now. Exactly. <laughs> we've, all got, we've all got our things. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a really great time to talk about white belt mistakes, too, because the Indie Open was just this weekend. Yeah. So, And then the Arnolds were right before that. Yeah. So we're coming off a couple tournaments. So, yeah, it's definitely... Fresh on my mind. <laughs> so what have you been seeing? What's what's the biggest one that's jumped out at you? I think biggest one is not respecting a dominant position. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like the biggest one um, that I've seen, you know, like in class or uh, in a tournament or whatever, is that like somebody will be mounted on you and not you, but mm-hmm. The person. But oftentimes. <laughs> the person. Uh, and the person on bottom will reach up and try and cross choke them. Yeah. I think that's probably the biggest one. It's just like not respecting the dominant position and trying to submit them from there. Yeah. And I usually tell people like, I'm not saying you'll never get that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, crazier things happen. But in general, that's a go for broke kind of thing. Like you don't do that until there's 30 seconds left and you, you know, that's your only choice. <laughs> you're yeah, just trying to yeah. get a submission because you're down on points. Um, but yeah, I think if we're looking at like the biggest one, that'd be it. Mm-hmm. So if we have new white belts that are listening, and if you are new to the podcast, welcome. We have a three or four episode starter pack. I'll link to it in the show notes. You're definitely going to want to go back and check those out. But so as a white belt, why, why do you not want to reach up and try to get a cross collar choke? So one, you shouldn't be able to submit somebody that is mounted on you, but also you're risking things, right? Like mm-hmm. not like just an easy risk where it's like, you know, the reward could be, I mean, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you're risking an arm bar. Definitely. You're lifting your elbows from your side. So they're able to get a higher mount. They can work to S mount. Like you put yourself in a lot of trouble there. It doesn't necessarily put you in a good position at all. There you have it. 
New white belt friends. New white belt friends. Respect the position. Know what the dominant positions are. And just in general, think they're in the dominant position. I should not be able to submit them from there. Mm-hmm. I think guard's a big one for that too. Like yeah. when you're sitting in someone's guard, overall, obviously there are exceptions to the rules, but overall, you should not be able to submit the person who has guard. Um, so then as the person who has guard, If somebody tries to submit you, you should be like, there are reasons this shouldn't be able to happen and I should be able to defend this. (laughs) (laughs) If you can just think about the dominant position, you can go, all right, this is not how it's supposed to be. What can I do to get out of this? Mm -hmm. Backing up though, like pre-white belt, like a pre-white belt mistake. Okay. And I think that is uh, thinking you have to like lose weight or get in shape before you train. Oh, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Our friend Jeff from uh, the BJJ campaign podcast, he posted that he celebrated a couple days ago his like five year anniversary in jujitsu. And when he first called the school, he was like, "Okay, I'm interested in doing jujitsu. I've been listening to the Jocko podcast, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you know, I just want to lose some weight first. And the guy was like, I'm going to tell you, you're going to lose weight coming in here. If you train, you know, you work hard at it. You can lose weight here. And I've seen that lots of times. I've mm-hmm. seen people come in and lose 60 to 80 pounds their first six months. Yeah. Not everyone's going to, but some people do. I've had guys put on weight too, like a real tiny guy who's, you know, he's like 130. I think it was less than that when he first came in and he was like, I want to put on weight. I've never been able to put on weight. We got him up to 158, nice. you know, like, so whatever your goals are, but that can be reached through jujitsu. But his coach was, or, you know, the guy that answered the phone was like, just come in. And I think Jeff said he lost like 100 pounds in his first year. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So don't think you have to like get in shape before coming. And what I always tell people, because like I'll have guys come in in great shape. Doug Fagan is a good example. He was like a cyclist and stuff when he came in and he was like, I'm in great shape. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And then he rolled and he was like, that was awful. (laughs) But you know, like sometimes you're just trying so hard because you're trying to use all your muscles and you think you're in great shape. And then you're like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu really is just a different form of cardio. Oh, completely. Okay. So you see me train all the time. What white belt mistakes am I still making? I think probably the biggest one is like expectation. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> it's, so you mean on and off the mats? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, you know, like when I was trying to think about what um, white belt mistakes you still make, I and I think it's a really big one for blue belt. I don't mm-hmm. think it's just a white belt mistake. I think blue belt is a huge one, but it's, you know, comparing yourself to others. And thinking like you should be better than you are. Mm-hmm. It's it's managing those expectations and realizing that you are where you're supposed to be. You're always going to get better. You're always going to have bad days. You're always going to roll with somebody who gets the better of you, or at least you should be. Or what's the point? Right. Yeah, <laughs> true. So um, I think that's probably it. Yeah. What do you think? Because you think you're still making white belt mistakes. What kind of mistakes do you think you're making? So I was rolling with Jonathan like it was last week or a couple weeks ago. And I guillotined him. And I knew exactly. I was like, oh, God, here it comes. He's going to Von flu me. <laughs> like, and I don't think, like, I know that that's what's going to come training where I train. Right. Right. Because that might be what we worked on today. Yeah. <laughs> um, you always love when we do chokes before a podcast. I do. And it never fails. <laughs> never fails. But I was like, 
that was so dumb. And I think it wasn't even necessarily a white belt thing, but it was like, if you kind of know what somebody's game is or what that they know how to counter things, it's like, why did I do that? And and why did I not abandon it early? I think that's a big thing that I do is I don't abandon things. Yeah, I think knowing when to abandon something is huge. But I also think that goes the other way. I think sometimes people are like, oh, I'm not getting that choke. Mm-hmm. And they're not like listening to their breath, the other person. Yeah. Or, you know, looking as their face turning purple or anything <laughs> like that, right? Like right. you're just like, oh, I must not be getting us. They haven't tapped yet and let go. Mm-hmm. So I think it can go either way. That's it, true. You know, there's the problem of abandoning too soon or not abandoning when you start getting in a bad position. Yeah. And the Von Flew guillotine combination is a good example of that. <laughs> if you can get your hand out too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fast, fast. <laughs> and just like overreaching in places like not, this is not specifically towards you, but like mm-hmm. that's a big white belt one. Like if I'm in guard or something like that and I'm reaching up into their collar and stuff and like putting my arms in a bad place. Mm-hmm. Something that I think you're good at is knowing like, to come in and train two to three times a week. I think that's a really good amount of training. I think a common white belt mistake is either thinking one day a week is enough, which obviously one day is better than no days. Exactly. But, you know, if you only come in on Thursdays and then you can't come in one Thursday, then it's been two weeks since you've trained. And, you know, that's tough. Yeah. And the other side of that is people that come in and train too much. You know, mm-hmm. like that are in every morning class and every night class. And for most people, that's not sustainable. You're going to get burnout. You're going to get hurt. It's just too much. So having a good, healthy amount of training is important. Yeah, that makes sense. How about learning a rules to a tournament? Oh, yeah. Do you That's, feel like you went to any tournaments like not knowing the rules? And I think because I was competing locally, so like Ego and Fuji and things like that, I felt really prepared. Yeah. But I think... IBJJF is a completely different level of rules. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's rules of your uniform and the weight. The weight's the big thing. Yeah. One of our students, he's not in any of the classes that I teach, but didn't realize that it was on point. You have to have your weight on point. (laughs) And so he was, you know, stepped on the test scale and then he was like, do they give a pound or two allowance? And it's like, no, if you're an ounce over, you're disqualified. And I think that's both uh, kind of a coach mistake and a student mistake. We should be talking more about the rules and preparing people. Like if you're competing, these are the things you need to know. And if you're a student, if you're a competitor, you should be looking up the rules and seeing what you're allowed to do. That way you're not like reaping when you're not allowed to or doing wrist locks and you're not allowed to or something like that. So one thing I didn't know that you talked about today is that you don't get points like for a sweep, if somebody has you in a submission. Yes. Yeah. So that was a thing. Um, one of our girls had, she got caught in an Ezekiel from bottom half. And she was like, well, I'll just get the sweep, rack up the points. And then she passed the guard and went to mount. The entire time she was still in the Ezekiel. So no sweep points, no pass points, no mount points. You have to clear the submission before you get points for that. That's the first time I'd ever heard that. Yeah, yeah, that's my bad. <laughs> you should definitely have heard that before. Um, I think the most common um, with that is like when somebody does a takedown and you get a guillotine. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm trying to double leg you and you guillotine me in the process, 
I don't get my takedown points until I can clear my head. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I actually, I can't remember the exact thing that was happening, but I was kind of in that scenario where I was like, I knew I did not still have the guillotine, Mm -hmm. but I was like, if I can just hold on to it, (laughs) there's not much time left. She's not getting the takedown points. (laughs) So I just was like, I'm just going to, I know this is a crappy choke. I know I'm not tapping her with it, Mm -hmm. but I'm just holding on for your dear life. Just trying to make sure that she doesn't get her points. Yeah. Play the game. Yeah. (laughs) Guess who's hanging on to those? bad jokes now (laughs) (laughs) right Um, that's I mean playing the game is an important part Um, you know and talking about like tournament rules the one last weekend was a round robin Mm -hmm. Um, so you got 10 points for winning by submission 7 by winning or for winning by points and then 5 if you won by DQ or ref decision and so you know like we're in it Callie wins her first match with a submission so she has 10 points uh, and one of the other kids wins by points. So he has seven. And I was like, okay, we're still up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she fights somebody where I'm like, okay, this kid's beating us, right? Just don't let him tap you. Because if he doesn't tap you, then he only wins with seven points. And you're still in for, you know, in contingency for first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it, it is about playing the game sometimes. Yeah. So knowing the rules of the tournament and how that works can be really important. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yes. My eyes have been opened. (laughs) What other like common white belt mistakes do you see other white belts making? Something that's like, you know, it helped you as a white belt, but you, you know, think that most white belts aren't doing it. Something that you covered in class recently was just making sure that we're not ever we don't have both knees on the mat at the same time. Yeah. That was a big, because I know I've done that and continue to do that. And I'm much more aware of it now. Yeah. That's good. Cause you can't really do anything with both knees on the mat, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you can keep good base, but you can't progress position. Yeah. So having a foot up so that you can start mm-hmm. passing and just being more mindful of that every time I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And the other thing that's helped me a lot too, is you told me like, just stand back up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You don't like where you are. Just stand back up. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? It's that simple, friends. Yep. <laughs> just move. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Start again. Yeah. And it's so much better for me. Good. Very good. Yeah. I think uh, a big one is like not taking notes. Yes. Right. Like when people don't take notes at all, I think it makes it a lot harder for them to progress. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing this thing in class lately. I've done it in a few classes where I have everyone roll around And I make them really think about what happened in that role. And then we come back and I'm like, all right, who got submitted? What did you get submitted with? Do you know how to defend that? What sweeps were you trying? What did you not accomplish? You know, like we just go through that kind of stuff. And people were able to actually start thinking about it more Mm -hmm. and asking better questions. So if you can do that on your own, where you're kind of journaling about your rounds and what happened in them and, you know, what you need to fix, that's one of the best ways to have questions that can fix the holes in your game. That was so helpful. Good. Yeah. And just, I love it when we are going into tournaments because we are just drilling, just really getting back to the basics and there's not more stuff getting put in, put into my brain <laughs> to mess up and get confused on. I, I love just going back and it's so helpful just yeah. to review the things. And it doesn't matter that I've seen it 50 times or a hundred times because I pick up something every time I see it. And I don't, and that 
could be something that, you know, people think, oh, I've already seen this so many times. And it's like, no, there's always something. Or somebody will do it. They'll make just one little tweak to it. And it's like, oh, I couldn't get that before. But now I see a way to make that work for my game. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like Dan Hardy or somebody that says uh, most of the time we don't need to learn something. We need to be reminded of it. Yeah. <laughs> like we already know it. We just need to be reminded. It just needs put back in our brain. That's so many things for me. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> like not even just oh, jujitsu. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, oh, yeah. All the time. I'm like, I used to do this. Why don't I do that anymore? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another thing would be like not every round has to be murder, death, kill. Yeah. That's a common white belt mistake where you just feel like every round is a fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Learning how to flow roll is a skill for mm-hmm. sure. And not having a game plan, you know, like not knowing what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I think that's a big one, too. Obviously, we talk about game planning a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, it's weird. It might be <laughs> purposeful. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have one that's just kind of like, it's a white belt mistake, but it's also pet peeve. Yes. <laughs> that would be uh, coaching other white belts, especially over a coach. Oh, yeah. That one drives me crazy. So I'm going to do this from two different sides, from like white belt side. You know, like if you're at a tournament and you're calling points in time for your friend or, you know, whatever, training partner, great. But when a coach steps up, you either stop coaching or you just repeat what they say. Like, that's what should happen. (laughs) But like even in class, like I see people sometimes instead of letting the coach explain then a white belt starts doing it, right? Like you don't you don't know it quite yet. Like you haven't drilled it enough times to be able to do this. But then also I would like to put that on like a higher rank mistake in that <laughs> sometimes, I'm sure you've witnessed this before, where like a lower rank will start to get a submission. And then, and this happens, I would say at all ranks really, but then they start coaching you through it. <laughs> so like- you have the submission, like you you have the upper hand and they're like, oh yeah, do this, do this, do this. Like as if they're just coaching you through it, not like they got caught in it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, but I see that happen really at all levels, but those are kind of some pet peeves, you know, like if you're rolling, let's just roll. Yeah. Like, you know, we can ask questions after the round, whatever. And then if you're drilling, like let the coach do the coaching. That's what they're there for. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, only learning fancy Instagram stuff and not learning the basics. <laughs> yeah. So I had a student who like knew some very fancy stuff. Mm-hmm. Then I put them with somebody else and I was like, I just, you know, they were a brand new person too. And I was like, just work guard passes. And then student one that knew the fancy stuff came up and she was like, I don't know any guard passes. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. So <laughs> we're just learning Instagram jujitsu and not actually <laughs> paying attention to <laughs> normal basics. Like you have to know the fundamentals. You have to have a foundation on which your jujitsu house is built. Yes. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like these are all just things that are going to kind of help people I'm not trying to be, you know, negative. I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to, if you can not make these mistakes, then, you know, 
You're going to have a better time. You're going to progress faster. Those kind mm-hmm. of things. You might beat yourself up less. Exactly. Not that I know anything about that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's all the ones that like I could kind of quickly think about. I'd love to hear from our audience other white belt mistakes that they made or they see their students making or anything like that. Yeah. You know, Instagram us. We're hanging out there at Beauty in the Ghee podcast. You can send us a message. Let us know. Let us know what mistakes you're making or what you're seeing. Yeah, definitely. And then um, do you have an on or off the mat tip for us this week? Oh, goodness. My on the mat tip for this week is be present in your roles and really pay attention to where you're getting submitted or passed or whatever that is, because that that helped me so much when we did that drill. I think so, too. I've gotten so many compliments on those classes from students that say that how much it helped them. And like my biggest advice with that was just like repeat what happens, you know, like. They got you with the sweep, go, okay, so they just hit me with a scissor sweep. I did have both my knees on the ground, you know, like just kind of repeat it in your head as you're going Mm -hmm. so you can kind of make a mental note of it. Do you have an off the mat? I do. My off the mat tip is get involved in the community of jujitsu. So, you know, do things where you're going to dinner after class sometimes or you're going to tournaments and coaching or uh, cheering on your teammates, you know, like just get involved in the community. I think that will help you. Um, last longer in jiu-jitsu. I think you're very right about that. <laughs> <laughs> because there are days when I'm like, oh, do I really want to go? But it's to the point now, I want to go see my friends yep. and hang out. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, you don't want to miss your friend time. No, I need that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely get involved in the community of jiu-jitsu. I think it, it helps you, you know, have friends and have people that you can rely on and that you want to drill with. And sometimes it's hard. It can Mm -hmm. be really hard if like you move from one school to another, like move states or whatever. It can be hard to like integrate yourself into an already established community. Yeah. Um, When you came from, you know, if you came from another school or if you're a brand new student, you might feel like everybody else knows each other. They all know jujitsu already. You know, like it can be hard, but just Put yourself out there a little bit, ask somebody to drill, ask somebody to roll, and go to the events outside of the class. And there you have it, friends. In addition to Instagram, where are you hanging out on social media? Yeah, so I'm AJ Klingerman pretty much everywhere you go. I have been trying to post more. Um, I've been trying to do stories and stuff on my Instagram. I'm trying to do a better job. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm also role model grappling pretty much everywhere you go. And you'll find me hanging out at Brassy Broad Jen. And we will see you on the mat. Beauty in the Ghee is a production of the Brassy Broadcasting Company and brought to you by Role Model Grappling.